2: Hello and welcome to the How To Academy podcast, the bi-weekly show from London's home of big thinking. I'm Vas Christodoulou. Our guest on this episode, Vex King, is an influencer whose advice around mental health and wellbeing has made him a superstar. He's the author of best-selling books including Good Vibes, Good Life and his latest, Closer to Love. Vex and his wife Kaushal joined us together on stage on Valentine's Day to tell us more.
0: Hello everyone. Um, How wonderful to see so many of you here. Thank you very much for coming. Well done for getting your hands on this very golden and coveted ticket. Um, My name's Hannah McInnes and I'm delighted to be hosting this on behalf of the How-To Academy. And I'm sure it hasn't escaped anyone's notice that we are talking about closer to love on a certain day of the year. But in fact, it's not about Uh, as we'll hear really grand gestures or being beholden to a certain day um, of the year. It's about everyday love. And in fact, it questions brilliantly many of the um, modern day myths and preconceptions and perceptions of love. It does many things, it's full of advice, and so I'm not gonna make this introduction long at all because you haven't come to hear from me, you've come to hear from these two who are on stage together for the first time. So it's a very great honor for us to have them. Bex King is, of course, the author of not just this book, but of uh, two other Sunday Times bestsellers, Good Vibes, Good Life, and Healing is the New High. And I'm delighted that his wife, Koshal, is also with us, which is such a privilege. And together, as I'm sure most of you know, they founded the Rising Circle, which is a wellness and lifestyle community, and their mission is to help create a world um, filled with more compassion. Um, thank you all for coming. There'll be a chance for you to ask questions after I've had mine, and thank you both again very much for being here.
2: Thank you, us. Valen- oh, yeah, thank you <laughs> um, for that introduction.
0: <laughs> well, I saw you both, I think, agree with me when I said it is Valentine's Day. But this book is not a book that is about that sort of love. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong, so I'm going to say Happy Valentine's Day, Thank and you Valentine's very interesting. And then I'm very interested to hear, actually, both of your perceptions of this day. Vex, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah. So um, I think when me and Kershaw first got together, there's this immense pressure, especially in society, to deliver gifts, um, plan romantic dates, and you know, kind of go all out on Valentine's Day to demonstrate how much you care for the person you're with. And I think over the years, we've realized that it's not just Valentine's Day that you show your love on. It's every single day. It's about cultivating love in those small, simple moments. And although this book came out yesterday, essentially, the main message is... That the healthiest relationships are built when you build a healthy relationship with yourself. And that's our kind of view on, on love and how we show up in our relationships. I think with Valentine's Day, we just like to live a normal day. Yeah, it's, we,
0: it's a...
3: It's just like any other day. Yeah. And it, Except today when uh, we're actually... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: unless you do this every day. Just, you know, <laughs> chat to lot of people in Yeah, so and what is your um, reflection? I think
3: when we first got together, not even I think, I know when we first got together, it was very much so young love, so to speak. We were just kind of going off of what we thought love was supposed to look like. And I think that's where we used to, like, butt heads quite a bit. Like, I would be like oh, you don't do this, or he'd, you know, like, I'm I'm, a Leo at, like, through and through, so if that gives any kind of context of what I could be like in a relationship. But, um, yeah, I always thought that it was supposed to be a grand gesture, but um, over the years, the more that I've got to learn who I am as a person and how not only I like to receive love, but also how he likes to receive love, I feel like that's made our relationship stronger, and that's also made me realise that actually... And as cheesy as this is gonna sound, Valentine's Day is every day. Like, you should make every day a day of love, not just wait for one day to do something. Unless it means something to you, unless it's like your birthday, or like the day you got (laughs) together, or whatever. But we try to make sure that we make the most of every moment, Mm. rather than waiting for a moment. Mm. Mm.
2: And I think you can be happily single. I think love shows up in our lives in so many different ways. So, while Valentine's Day is usually celebrated, as a result of romantic love, it can be celebrated for having love for, you know, your children, your family, pets, nature. Yourself. Art. Yeah, and yourself. That's the most important. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, we're going to talk a lot about that, the sort of importance of the love, self-love before, before everything else. But I guess that what you were just saying about, um, you know, it's, it's not just romantic love that you need to celebrate. But the book, it, it, who is that... T- written to and for, is that for everyone? Is that for couples, would you say?
2: I'd like to say it's written for everyone, but (laughs) every book has a core audience So although it's primarily romantic love, I think working on loving yourself is gonna make you a better partner, a better sibling, a better friend. It's going to pour out into all your other relationships, mm-hmm. whether they're platonic or romantic mm-hmm. or other.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you you talked about sort of when you first met. Is that something that you sort of discovered together? You talk there were challenges at the beginning. Were they because you hadn't done that? Worked out who you were? I would say mm-hmm. so. I think when we first got together, we were
3: on this healing journey and this self love journey. But that was fourteen years ago. So we didn't know we were on that journey, <laughs> if that makes sense. So it was, um, it was quite eye-opening because you mentioned this, don't you? Like, when we first got together, it was quite like an immature love because we didn't really know who we were as people. We were still finding that out. Um, and that's not to say that we have everything figured out now mm. because we're still on a journey. We're still mm. bettering ourselves. Mm. We're still working on ourselves. But yeah, the, the beginning part of our relationship was very much so... Up and down, not up and down, but it, yeah. it, it had his hu- its highs and lows. Mm. And that's because we were both dealing with things. And
2: I think we were trying really hard to make each other happy. Yeah. And as a result of that, the love was quite conditional. It was, I love your actions. I love when you do this for me. And it wasn't selfless until we returned home to our own hearts and started focusing on ourselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, you talk a lot about it's not perfect. I mean, in your post about the book, you said, you said by no means am I or we perfect and forever will we be students in life. And, and you talk a lot in the book about that. This is not perfect. You know, happy couples, you say, aren't just the one posting Instagram selfies, etc. <laughs> but why is it so important to kind of keep that message home and that message home that, that this isn't perfect?
3: Yeah. Um, so I've been sharing, like, my journey on social media for over, over 10 years now, And um, over the years, I've kind of realised, not only do I do it, but everyone does it. You're only putting your highlight reel onto, onto social media. You're only seeing the things that you want other people to see. And I always have to remind myself that if I'm posting one post a day, and maybe if I've done 10 stories, that's like not even 10 minutes of my whole entire day. So if someone's gonna then paint a picture of what my life looks like, it's just not, it's not real. Mm. <laughs> it's, as much as you are, as, as authentic as you are and can be online, it's still, you're only showing like a tiny snippet. Mm. And I think that's what I mean about love and any love is never perfect. It's always something that you're working on. It's always something that's going to be, there's going to be highs, lows, lefts, rights. Mm. You might be going the wrong way completely. You don't even know. You, yeah. you, you're, you're still figuring that out. And I think that's where love can be, or, or love for us can be, you know, even others, but um, can be quite... I think we set
2: a lot of unrealistic expectations, and before it was because of music, literature, Disney, um, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's almost social media. I've actually got a, a story to share. So I remember I went to an event with Koshal. It's one of the, like, beauty events, and there was a couple there, and they were literally about to, like, rip each other apart. I'd never seen such a physical altercation, like, in my life (laughs) between a couple. And they had to be broken apart. And then, I remember returning home a few days later, I was on my Explore page, and I saw a picture of the couple. Well, first I thought, wow, they look familiar. And then I (laughs) realised, actually, that's that couple from that night. And that picture was taken on that night. And it was a, you know, happy couple kind of selfie. And then the caption was just full of love. I love you so much. You know, you're my better half. And then I was reading the comments. It's like, couple goals, hashtag goals. Oh my God, I wish I could be like you two. You two have the perfect love. And in my head, I'm thinking, if you saw what I saw, Mm. I don't think you'd be leaving those comments. Mm -hmm. Because we just get... It's almost like a picture is just almost like one line out of a whole story, Mm. and we try to conclude or summarize the whole story based on that Mm. one single line, and that's what social media does, it shows you a snapshot, and then you assume the rest around it, and you create this illusion, and you attach yourself to that illusion, and then when reality doesn't meet the expectation, you suffer,
0: Mm. I want to hold the social media thought, actually, because there's a lot to sort of um, unpack there, and there are obviously benefits, and, and you know, you've, you've reaped lots of benefits from it, too, but it does have lots of negative sort of sides when it comes to love and authenticity. But I just wanted to bring up, because you were talking about the, the journey and, and, the you know, how it's not perfect. I love your train analogy, and I wonder if you right. could just explain that to people. You say, I think... Uh, I like to think of these personal relationships as as a train journey you embark on together without any idea of where you were going. So I just wonder if you could... Yeah,
2: I think when you start a relationship, you both don't necessarily know the end goal. You know you want to be in love, you want to co-create happiness together, but where you're heading isn't always known. You'll go through some kind of dark tunnels, you'll stop off at some beautiful scenery, you might stop off at places you don't want to be at. I also think the journey can be much harder if you've got a lot of baggage with you. In a safe and secure relationship, it can be a beautiful place to unpack, but I think we can make our lives and our relationships much lighter if we've done a little bit of the unpacking mm. ourselves. And I think that's what me and Koshal found with our relationship at the start, is that although we had embarked on this journey of self-love, there were still so many unprocessed emotions, trauma, things to work through, and really dense mm. conditioning that made us think and act in a particular way. And so when she triggered me, I would hurt her, and then she'd feel triggered, and the cycle would, would just, just perpetuate. Keep going. And, and it's I a just, cycle of hurt.
3: I just constantly thought that he would be able to read my mind, if I'm completely honest with you, I was like, why is this, like, why is he not able to tell? Like, if he's like, if he says something and I'm like, no, I'm like, why doesn't he understand that I actually mean yes? <laughs> like, it took a while for, for you to... <laughs> on my
2: side...
3: Now you know, he's extra confused. Now he's like, what, well, does she mean no? If she no, no I'm like, so do you actually
2: mean no? But, you know, I remember when I first got with Koshaw and I was just like, you know, I'd do anything for you. And she'd be like, okay, so do the dishes. I mean, but the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think. Like, rule number
0: four, that? do the <laughs> dishes yeah, from the your dishes. book. But it's the dishes of sort of bone of contention, because it's more than the dishes, isn't it? I mean, you've read this part, obviously, yeah. in the book. Yeah. I, I think when
3: we got together, we weren't living together. And then we were doing this thing where I was like half the time living with him, half of the time at home. And that's when we really started to get to know each other on like a physical, deeper level of, oh my God, he's actually a real human being, like, he has likes and dislikes like me, and like, where there are certain things that we don't agree on, like, that's when the real work kind of starts. And I think over the years, do you know what it is? I think of, what I know of love is my parents, right? So that's what the love that I grew up on, that and Bollywood movies, two very different, (laughs) very different (laughs) kinds of love. He has not yet... um, ran around some fields and come, popped over behind a tree and like sang me a song. (laughs) I'm still waiting for that. um,
0: (laughs) We're um, all waiting for the post (laughs) of
3: that now. But um, my mum and dad's love was very, they never said I love you to each other, but they showed it in their actions. And it wasn't until we started living together and spending more time with each other in terms of days on end, that I actually realised that I love him, even though he's not done the dishes. But <laughs> we've we've but, <laughs> <laughs> but we c- we've kind of got to this compromise in the sense that like if I've got the food ready, he clears up. So it like he clears up whilst he's clearing up and putting all the food away, and, like, we literally live such a boring, like, normal life. Like, if he's, like, emptying, like, the food into little containers to put in the fridge and da-da-da-da, cleaning it, loading the dishwasher, I'll do the dishes. Like, we've just come to this, like, flow of how we work. But what I do feel like... And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because we obviously got together 14 years ago, and things have changed. And I feel like in this day and age, there's almost too much choice, and people kind of go, oh my God, my partner's pissing me off so much, and like I'm at the end of my tether on this, and, and they, they, they almost feel like giving up too, too quickly. And I, I always go back to my parents' love of how they showed it through their actions. They may not have said it to each other. I don't think I've I ever heard them say I love you to each other, but in their actions and the way they would speak to each other was just so gentle and loving. And I feel like I growing up with that have been able to cultivate that within our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like Vex will know, like I never swear. Like I it's just something that I just don't do and it's something that my like dad taught me and like my cousin's sitting in the audience, she's like, yeah, we weren't, she'll probably probably say, like, yeah, we weren't allowed to say the word stupid, like, in the house, like, you're stupid, he'd be like, what did you just say? Like, we were very respectful in that way, but, um, so I've been able to cultivate that sort of love together with what I know, um, but also with the self-help, like, the self-love work that we've done and the healing we've done, we've almost found this love of of our own, and I've mentioned this in, like, podcasts and stuff, but No love is the same. We're sitting here telling you guys about our love story and how we, you know, think love is and how we know love is for us doesn't mean it's exactly the same for someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's the beauty of love as well because... You get to feel it and give it and receive it in all sorts of different ways, as long as you've got that balance with the other person.
2: In Closer to Love, I do mention that there's three Ps to love. So there is that personal aspect to love, and that's whatever love really means to you. It could be a collection of memories, ideas, perceptions, and so forth. Um, There's love as a practice, because love needs actions that show that you still love your partner. Because when the feelings of love has, have dissipated, because human beings aren't designed to live in a heightened state, then what's left of love, right? It's the actions that allows us to experience love within the relationship in a tangible way. But I also think there's a final P, and this is kind of like my spiritual understanding of love. And when I was writing my book, I was speaking to some of my teachers, I was going back to all my kind of ancient spiritual literature and I saw one common theme for what love actually is in its purest, highest form. And it's love as this autonomous, universal energy. It's this wellspring that we have within us that we have to try and return to as many times as we can. And when we do, we'll be able to share that love with our partner Mm -hmm. without expecting anything in return.
0: Do you think, I mean, you say um, at the start of the book, there's no relationship, sort of handbook. We don't get taught at school about codependency or anything (laughs) like that. I'm just, do you think we should? Because you say, you know, wonder people struggle and you talk about sort of modern love being as complex as it gets. Do you think that we should have to wait to get, uh, you know, a brilliant book from you? Or do you think there should be more focus on?
2: Well, I was speaking to some of my teacher friends about emotional regulation and I said, you know, maybe school's could teach emotional regulation because so many people know algebra, but they don't know how to manage and respond to their own emotions. Mm. And she said, well, it's not really our responsibility. It's the parents' responsibilities. And then what I realized was actually, no human being's perfect. And a lot of us don't actually know ourselves. So then how can we teach something that isn't our own truth? Mm. And I suppose when it comes to love and relationships, if you aren't grounded in who you actually are, then how can you teach people what love looks like Mm. in its purest form. Mm. So I guess my answer to that question is, it'd be great if it was Mm. taught Mm. by teachers Mm. or other people, but it has to be people that have a really high self-understanding of themselves um, and that are really self-aware.
3: I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, it'd be great to be taught just how to manage emotions mm. at school, mm. mm. let alone just love. I think all all kinds of emotions. But yeah, we were talking to one of our friends' um, fiancés, and she w- was mentioning, you know, we, they have so much on their plates, bless them, that they, that's another thing, another layer, yeah. that they, s- they just don't have the structure or system in place to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think a systematic change needs to, ha- like, occur, but the world is our oyster. Maybe we can, you know, collectively <laughs> do something about own, it. You know? I think well, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, think, I think one thing that could be prevented, I suppose is that from a young age we're so impressionable and we're downloading all these templates and these ideas of what love and relationships should look like. So maybe someone can just step in and say it's just a movie. Mm. Like this isn't how love actually plays out in real life. Mm. We download these templates from Disney and from songs because they comfort us. But the real love is happening with our caregivers and you know, our parents and everyone around us. But sometimes those stories, that reality of love seems a little bit underwhelming. And that's why we turn to these kind of fairy tales. And then we set these extremely high expectations. And I literally think they've probably got a little bit higher now because we want one person to give us everything. And I think we need to almost undo that learning. Mm.
0: But back to, sort of, I suppose, the social media side of of seeking these sort of perfections, seeking perfection, you, you were talking before about how, you know, Instagram shows this kind of these perfect moments. But, but also modern love and its complications comes from, for example, the digitization of, you know, dating. And I'm just really interested to hear what your perspective is on that, both of you, the kind of whether that's a good thing. You, you talk about liquid love in your book, which is sort of, I think, you know, yeah. all linked up, this sort of modern-day confusion out sure. there.
2: Sure. I think we've got the paradox of choice now is that we have a lot of choices. You can access dating apps very easily. You can access people very easily. There's so much choice that some people stay put because they're kind of over, overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the amount of choices mm-hmm. that are out there. And on the opposite side, people are like, well, if person A isn't giving me what I want, then person B will give me what I want. Mm. And if person B isn't giving <laughs> me what I want, then person C mm. will give me what I want. And then they're on person Z and they have realised that actually no one can give them what they want mm. because essentially they're trying to fill a void within themselves through another person.
0: Yeah, I mean, how do you strike the balance? Because as I said, I mean, you guys kind of brilliantly use that kind of Instagram, Twitter and social media and technology, I suppose, you know, to get that message out. So it's a kind of careful balance. How do, you, how do you think you get it right between the kind of complex problem of that modern love and technology and overwhelm, but also using it to spread the message that you want to spread?
3: Yeah, I mean, we get it wrong a lot of the times. For example, since Closer to Love, like, it's been in the making, Vex has been extremely busy. <laughs> And then I have to remind him, like you've been in the office for like a long time. We almost have to like be there for each other as like a little reminder, like for a light bulb moment to go off, to be like, you need to take some time out. So I think that's really
0: important. Um, and I forgot the question you were asking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the nice thing but is just saying also how you get the balance right. Oh, because balance you right. use it for su- such an important... To spread the opposite message yeah, almost. Yeah, absolutely. And to sort of tell yes. your stories. I, and
3: So we try to do um, the evenings after a certain time not to be on social media. And it is very hard. But again, like if he catches me and kind of like, mm, what's my phone? So he'll be like, you know, <laughs> telling is, each other This is
2: what she does. <laughs> <laughs> she spends half an hour on her phone. <laughs> puts it away and goes, why are you still on your phone? <laughs> <And> <laughs> when I, I just picked up day. my phone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is a struggle because our 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 jobs are on our phone and everything we, we do as our like day-to-day jobs is digital, mm. which so many other jobs are as well. So it is really difficult to switch off.
2: But having those boundaries. Having the,
3: the boundaries is so important. Mm. And um, I know when my mind is all over the place, I'm like, my routine's out of whack, my eating's out of whack. I just know everything is out of whack and that's where I need to be like, right, get taking control of everything because that makes me feel more in control of my boundaries as well. Mm.
2: I think as well we have to remember that although technology can help us connect with people, it's also a disconnection device, especially like a mobile phone. And love only happens in the present moment. So you have to be present to actually experience love. If you're detached from the present moment, then all you're doing is loving your thoughts or the ideas of love mm. within your mind, mm. but not actually in the moment. And the moment is all we have.
0: And mm. mm. um, you, you were saying you, know, you, you turn around when you've um, turned your phone off and say, why haven't you? And it makes me think of something you... Write about a lot in the book, which is expectations
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and the weight of expectations. So I, I just wonder if you could um, sort of tell people, I, I suppose, whether expectations are always a bad thing, or are there moments when you can, you know, when they're a positive force in a relationship?
2: I think this is a difficult one with expectations because without expectations, there's no boundaries and with expectations you can't nurture the true essence of love so how i see it is have healthy expectations and not so many unhealthy expectations and a healthy expectation would be if i'm in a relationship with you i expect you to show me affection or once we're exclusive i expect you to stay committed to me and only me but an unhealthy expectation could be possibly I expect you to make me happy mm. all the time or I own your body mm. <laughs> and I expect your body to, to, to be mine. Mm. So it's about finding that balance and realising that essentially your partner won't complete you because we've got this idea in our minds that um, you know we're going to go and find a better half. But by saying that, we're assuming that we're not. Whole. And it's about two whole hearts coming together to cultivate more love together.
0: I mean, I'm really interested in, in um, the book that idea of um, yes, not being two, two halves and not completing you, having autonomy comes across, and it's so important. And you talk about, for, you know, the example of having privacy as you know, it's really important not to worry about them going off. And is that something that came naturally at the beginning? No. <laughs> I'd be like, where are you going? What are you doing? Are you...
3: Like, I'm a bit of a control freak. I like, to, like, I like to know everything that's happening. Like, I like to be in the know of everything. And I went to therapy a few years ago because I was dealing with my own demons within me that surfaced a little bit within our relationship, not so much, but more so to do with being on, on social media. But there were so many things that I learned about myself when I went to therapy, that now my like th- my thing is like people pleasing and knowing everyone and, and making sure everyone 's happy and like i I need to be in the know to make sure everyone is happy like that was my my thought process and um now that I know that just because I don't know everything, it doesn't mean that he loves me any less, mm. or that doesn't mean that my mom loves me any less, or, like, my family loves me any less. Um, but it was a lot of soul-searching that I needed to do to get to that point of realising what my thing was. Yeah. And I say thing, because I think the word trigger is used really willy-nilly on, online. But it was my thing that, I, that therapy taught me, mm. and um, that's what really made me kind of go, actually... I don't need to have that whole, like, what are you doing? Where are you going? I need to know where, where you are and, like, t- text me as soon as you get there and do Like, although, like, he knows that I'm always going to be safe. If something's up, I will message him. Our love has definitely evolved. And um, I-, I would not say we are the same people as we were when we first entered the relationship. But understanding ourselves more, making sure that our own cup is filled in order to fill each other up when we're feeling low Learning that has massively helped us become closer mm. because there are times where I'm feeling low or he's feeling low. If he's feeling low and I'm feeling low, <laughs> it, that is just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> like, you're not going to get anywhere with that. So, what I've actually also learned is that I need to make sure that I'm my own person doing my own yeah. thing. I'm in my lane, mm. he's in his lane, but mm. we're heading in the we don't know where we're going, but we're heading yeah, in the same, to the same direction. That train <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're on the same
0: train coach. Yeah, but, you're yeah. Your... but why is that so important to emphasise for you in the book, this sort of independence as opposed to, obviously, codependence, being your own person? And again, I was just really interested by the privacy, having your privacy, being able to say, actually, you know, you can't come in, like, physically to this room, I'm going to go and write my book or my journal. And I just wonder if you could explain the kind of importance of that, because it yeah. does feel like a healthy... Can I, sorry, can I just mention, I'm, like, really
3: clingy, I'm like really clingy and I'm like such a Leo and like for me to be able to for him to say to me I need time I just need a moment I was like you don't love me anymore what do you mean like I literally was jumping to conclusions so the way that we've handled this it took us a while so I just wanted to let you guys know I'm clingy, and it literally took us
2: and just just from (laughs) my side is that although you know She could have potentially been a little bit clingy in her own words. Okay,
1: I (laughs) Um, said it, (laughs) um,
2: You know, and sometimes I was kind of more kind of, I suppose, independent in that aspect. And I just did my own thing. Like, I realised that sometimes reassuring her wasn't a bad thing. So when she's like, where are you? I can reply, I'm in the loo. Like, and that's 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 okay. And then she can reply, enjoy, or whatever it is. But, (laughs) but like, for me, I think it's so important. But just having that honest communication and supporting her as well in that, because we're healing together. I think, and. for her to, like, kind of push and then me to pull away, that doesn't create any intimacy between us. Mm-hmm. It just pushes us further apart, mm-hmm. I think. But going back to the question, I think You're it so was... good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: was like, what's the question? I've got the question.
2: Sorry, go ahead. The, the que- I actually need to remind her of the question <laughs> I'm thinking of the Lou, which is really bad. You,
0: you, 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 you've been answering really, but I suppose it was just the emphasis in the book on autonomy, on independence yeah. but for everyone. Because, obviously, as you've said, and as we know, it's different for everyone. Yeah. But there are things that come across in Close to Love that you, you advise to everyone. And I yeah. would say, in. in, in independence, going your own way, being able to have a drink with your friends and not feeling guilty about it is something that comes across as being really important to healthy relationship.
2: In the relationship, there's three aspects to it. There's you, your partner, and the relationship itself. And all three need tending to, but you are a separate person. Koshal's a separate person and we need to take care of ourselves. We try and outsource all of our needs to one person. But I can't expect or Koshal can't expect me to like be her therapist. I can't expect her to be my best friend. I was gonna say shopping buddy, but you'd probably want me (laughs) to be a (laughs) (laughs) shopping But we are best friends, but you know, everything all in one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why we need other friendships, platonic friendships. We need other people around us I think it was Esther Perel who's an amazing psychologist and she said we now expect one person to provide what an entire village used to provide Mm. and I think that puts things into context Mm. is that you are your own person within the relationship and you can create something wonderful together but don't merge so much that you lose yourself in that person Mm. because you still are your own person with your individual beliefs preferences, likes, dislikes, values, and dreams and goals. Mm. And they don't always have to be the same. Mm. So I think over time, we've learned to love not only who we are together, but our individual differences as well.
3: Yeah, like I will sit there and watch a football match with him. I might complain a little bit, like, is it done there? Like, is it, like, can we watch something else? I will sit there and I'll be like, oh, was that a goal? You know, I'll get involved. But like, after that, that that, he knows he'll be like, right, so what do you wanna watch? Because that's the compromise we've come to. It's not like I have to sit there and be forced to watch, because I know I'm going to... It's going to be my turn next. (laughs) But it is. It's that compromise, isn't it? Like, I think that's, again, something that I learnt from my parents. They both really did compromise for each other. Slightly one-sided on their end, maybe, because that's a very traditional Indian marriage that they had. But that compromise aspect, I feel like I've carried that through. And um, it took me a while to get to there. I'm not saying like I entered the relationship, it was like, yeah, compromise, everything's (laughs) fine. woo. It was not like that, but it took me a while. The older I've become to realize what makes me tick, what makes him tick and what works for our relationship. Like you mentioned the the trilogy. Mm. And if one of them is off, you've got to come together and be like, right, what are we doing here? Mm. Because that's what a relationship is, right? Like if you want to make it work, you've got to put the work in. And that's the hardest part, I think, because we're so conditioned to thinking, you meet someone, you get married, and have ever after. <laughs>
0: how, how important, you talk about this in the book, um, you, you mentioned your, your parents' traditional marriage and relationships. How important do you think the marriage aspect of, of it is in this day and age, the vows and the actual getting married in a relationship?
3: I think it's each to their own. I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Like, I don't he wanted to elope to... Vegas and say I do, I do, like with Elvis Presley, and I was like, I was like, what? I was like, I'm not going to get my Bollywood wedding, like, 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 literally. I was like, I don't even care if it's just me and you. I want to do that. I really wanted to do like the Indian vows, the Indian tradition, Um, and I think that's fine. I think you have to work that through as as a a couple. Like my newly engaged little sister and brother-in-law to be in the in the audience, and. um, even when we asked them, you know, a few, what was it, a year or so ago, like, oh, if you were to ever get married, how would you do things? And they're like, oh, we want to do it like this. And I was like, great, that's fab. <laughs> and I think the old me would have been like, but don't you want an Indian wedding? Don't you want, th-? and like, that was me forcing my ideas onto someone else. Mm-hmm. But the older I've become, I'm, I've just got to the point where I'm like, it's okay to not want the same things as me,
0: because
3: mm. I don't. Want, I necessarily might not want the same things as you. So I think it's each to their own.
2: And it's okay not to want marriage. I don't think it's yeah. everyone's end goal, and that's okay as well. Mm.
1: Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows, and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.
0: What about... You write, the, as I said, there is so much in the book and we won't be able to get through it. And I'm wary that I'm sure that you will all have questions, so I will come to them um, soon. But what about I mean, what about arguments? You say um, a couple who doesn't argue and have differences is not the ideal here. So the, the goal in a relationship is, is not I mean, to try really hard not to have any differences or any arguments because that's A, unrealistic and B, not healthy.
1: hmm
2: I think arguing shows you care, and if you can move through conflict in a very respectful, respectable manner, you can allow room for unconditional love to take root. I think it was um, Dr. John Gottman, and he talks about bad communication styles on this four, and he stresses the importance of those bad communication styles because they can predict divorce, I think, up to, like... 87, no, I think 80 to 90% accuracy. So it shows that the way you communicate is extremely important. All couples are going to disagree, but I think the most important thing is to disagree fairly. And if in that moment you feel slightly triggered, you're in fight or flight mode, it's okay to take a time out and say, right now, I don't think I'm in the right she like state. She's like telling me, remember?
3: <laughs> remember
2: what I am to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not in the best position to speak about this right now, but if, it, if it's okay, I want to kind of self-soothe. I want to reflect on things and then let's come back to the conversation and hold space for each other to speak in mm. turns without interrupting the other person and holding no judgment as well. I think creating safety and security after you've argued, yeah. is extremely important. And also trying to stay connected. Like, sometimes, for example, say if Koshal's, like, run off into a room and crying, I could, like, I'm maybe... Right. <laughs> I could maybe <laughs> just give a knock on the door and say, you know, I hope you're OK. When you're ready, let's talk, kind of thing. And it just shows you, hopefully, and that And I'm still sitting can. in
3: that room going, it's been five minutes and he's still not Koshal's! <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is true. I, I, I remember when we were a lot younger and when we would argue, like, I'm the person who's like, right, let's just figure this out right now. Like, tell me what's up, da-da-da-da, let's, like, just lay it all on the table. And he's like, no, I need space. And, I, and for me, him needing space and not wanting to speak to me was like like the people-pleasing thing in me. It was like, oh my God, he hates me, he doesn't love me anymore, Da-da-da. all this stuff was going in my head. Um, but it wasn't until I did the work and realised what made me tick, now that I know what, how, my, how I've been conditioned, in my past has made me the person who I am, and the, the, the tools that I need to help rectify those feelings, mm. I've been able to handle any disagreements that we have. Nine times out of ten, it's me just like pulling something out of the thin air and going, "You, you said this, or <laughs> I feel like this," and like I, I can be quite dramatic.
2: You're not dramatic. <laughs> <There>.
3: <laughs> but. No, but I can be quite dramatic in that sense, and I can like. If I'm feeling a feeling, I feel it like a hundred percent. But you don't voice
0: everything it. between each other. You Like the really important thing is that you, you communicate everything. Communicate. We didn't before. Yeah. We were still
3: very we, much. I so think a lot, and the, a lot of the time
2: people ruminate instead of communicating, yeah. and uh, that's dangerous because when you're in your own mind and you're overthinking, most of the time you're not creating solutions; you're creating more problems. Yeah.
0: There is one point in the book though where you you talk about sort of having a plan, and you know. The, definitely comes through, as you're saying, communicate, communicate, and talk things through. But there's one point where you say, maybe not a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and that made me think of something that is on my mind, which is, do you risk authenticity if you, um, you know, plan everything, sort of talk through everything? That's another balance I feel you have to get right. That, that, you know, having a natural relationship and sometimes not kind of voicing everything or having to lay everything out as a plan.
2: Yeah, I think you need a fine balance. With, uh, with the having the plan kind of route, it's more so that you're aligned with your vision for the future. Because when I was doing the research, I was listening to loads of therapy tapes and I was listening to loads of people share their experiences in their own relationships. And some, people, some couples had been together for almost like 15 or 16 years and someone's decided that they finally want to have a child, for example. And one of them's like, oh, I never wanted a child. And you've got so far into the relationship and you never had those talks at the beginning. So I think allowing a bit of kind of flexibility in your relationship is important and staying true to the moment because people will change. Your values might change. Your beliefs will certainly change. Your likes and dislikes and preferences will always change as well. But at the same time, always kind of checking in to see where you are in that particular moment and where you see yourselves heading, I think is extremely important. So you can... Make sure you're both moving in the right direction.
3: You want to be on that same carriage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't want to be on a different route, but it's so important, before we got married, actually, even when we started dating, it was like, we'd, we'd mention little things, like, he was like, I'd, if, I, if we were to ever get married, I'd really want to get married abroad, and I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. Imagine if I was like, no, I want to get married in my house, like, in our hometown, and, like, that's a non-negotiable, like that just there and then would have been like, oh, well, unless... Yeah, why <laughs> are you a known negotiables?
2: I think yeah. that's the key, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, do you um, think, of having read the book, because obviously you're a huge part of the book because it's about love and it's about your relationship, but I wonder what... I didn't ask you at the beginning to sort of say what you thought of it or what, how you would describe it, but I, I guess I'm really interested to hear how you would describe this to your friends so or... So I
3: mentioned this um, in the green room, and... One of the books that I feel like hits the nail on the head is Atomic Habits. I think it's the best book out there for habit building and habit making and, and how to make a routine in your life. Although I'm still, still fall off that bandwagon every Lots now and Lots of just. heads nodding. There yeah, you know, yeah. So for me, I, and I mentioned this in the green room, that Closer to Love is like the love version of Atomic Habits, which is a, is a big like it's a big you know big thing to say but i genuinely think it's one of those books that is filled with so much information even for me like i have to read atomic habits maybe a couple of a couple of extra times to really digest the information but it's so rich in information that I was a bit like, oh my God, did, like you, you wrote this? <laughs> like, it's like, I remember like the, the months and months and months that he was like literally locked away. <laughs> Sorry, no, he
2: he's, you
3: know, <laughs> he's really good. But like, as in, he was locked away in his, um in his office. He's got like this treadmill and like, all I hear is the treadmill going and the did da I'm like, what are we having for dinner? And he's like, just give me t- 10 minutes. Well, it's Don't so much me. And research. I'm, like, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, I fall asleep like this, and he'd be listening to podcasts at night of um, therapy sessions. He said like, oh yeah, I listen to loads. He listened to like thousands of hours
2: of uh, couples to, to therapy. To the point where she was like, can you just turn it off? I was like, can we
3: listen to something else? But like he's done so, like put so much love and energy into his book. and. For me to be able to read it and be like, and and see the evolution from good vibes to healing is the new high to closer to love, like it makes me feel so incredibly proud of you. you. And I I know (laughs) I say I say that to him all the time. I'm like, I'm really proud of you. Um, But yeah, it is. It's a book that's filled with like, almost every other line is something where that's like, oh my god, I could like. I could write that down in big, print it out, and keep it like my, like on my vision board or something. There are so many key pieces of wisdom in it, and um, it's definitely one of those books that you can read again and again and again, and always get something new out of it. Um, this is why
2: my wife's my biggest cheerleader.
0: Ah. <laughs> I was going to ask
3: why you wanted to be on stage together, and now I think I've got she the answer. Actually,
2: um, I think you gave me the idea for the summary after every chapter from Atomic Habits. Yeah, I was like, Atomic, Atomic
3: Habits. Habits. I was like, I'm reading Atomic Habits. They're the key and points. At, yeah. yeah, at the end of every chapter, I'm like, because I... If I'm reading something, sometimes my mind can be somewhere else at times. I don't know whether anyone else is like that. But like my mind is just like a little bit off there. But then at the end of the chapter, I'm like, oh, yep, yep, okay. And it gives you everything summarized. And it, it doesn't give everything away, but it gives you those like key bullet points to take away from each chapter. And I
2: had already submitted the manuscript to my amazing editors, Karawa Mire. <laughs> And then I had to, like, email them and be like, You're can like, I just oh, add on, like, one page? And they're like, yeah. okay. And I was like, one page at the end of every chapter, if it... that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you, I mean, it is full of so much research, it's so, you know, roomy a lot, but there's a lot of, as you've quoted this evening, did you, I mean, you must have learnt lots writing it, but did, anything, did you change your mind profoundly on anything to do with love when you were writing it?
2: Mm. Um, kind of. I, th- I think I learnt new things. And I think from a lot of the studies, what I learned was that, in my mind, I thought that most couples broke up because of infidelity or some kind of, I think, a breach of trust. But actually, most couples break up because they don't feed energy into their relationship. They grow apart. They almost expect the relationship to run on autopilot. And I thought, wow, like when you have a, an amazing relationship, it requires you to show up each and every day mm. to try and cultivate love with your partner. And some people just become flatmates and there's no love, there's no intimacy in their relationship. And you
0: say people become like a five-year-old child. Yeah. Is that the Esther Perel thing as well? No, yeah. That
2: wasn't, but that people, do, yeah, it, that was more to do with like the hissy fits that people throw. <laughs> but when also I
0: suppose it was to do with that kind of um, lacking of effort, because it was just, you know, the behaviour you write, that pe- people behave in a very sort of strange way often around around their partner, not the way they would treat their friends, not the way they would treat other people, just this sort of, that's what you were kind of I w- warning against.
2: Yeah, and I was, I th- probably not the best comparison to make, but I think, imagine, it's probably actually not a very good comparison to make, but imagine your relationships a business, like you wouldn't stop feeding into your business, you wouldn't stop reinvesting, you wouldn't stop the marketing, you wouldn't stop applying efforts to grow your business. So why would you stop applying efforts to grow your relationship?
0: Oh, I knew I, I've got to stop my questions because <laughs> um, we, did, we did start um, a little bit late, so we will run, um, I hope that's okay, I'm sure if people have a train to catch, then um, we will run uh, like, maybe five minutes um, or so over past eight. Um, but if you have a question, will you um, raise your hand high and, um, and we'll try and get as many as possible. And I should say that they will be here afterwards. Um, Dex, signing books. Dex will be yeah. signing books um, yeah. afterwards so you can run. And the book doesn't, it looks like that, not the one I held up at the beginning. Yeah. Hello, and thank you so much for that. Um, So, question for you. Do you think it's possible to be in love with someone and also fall in love with someone else? in
2: the same relationship
0: oh.
3: or do you think that well, that doesn't
2: happen? Oh, that's t- the reaction. <laughs> that is
3: such... Well, for our sake, I would hope that's not a big deal. This is like Jeremy Kyle. I, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think... <laughs> <this> <laughs>
0: Had
3: you
2: finished I, your
0: question? The audience is not like, have you finished? Yes. <laughs> Good question. I'm,
2: I'm going to put my, my spiritual hat on it <laughs> to answer this question. I think you can have unconditional love for every single person out there. But that doesn't mean you should be in a relationship with every single person out there. And I kind of want to leave it at that because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's dangerous territory to just kind of step in. Yeah. I was just interested in your view.
3: Well, if I'm talking, I'm going to talk on like my behalf and I would hope that you only love me. <laughs>
2: I think romantically, there's always no, them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of yeah, there we go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is—it is, it is a—it's a touchy. It's a very uh, taboo subject. Is that the way to right way to phrase it? Well, um, you can tell
0: from the ripples of disapproval. Yeah, I, I, think, like, Ooh. <laughs> I,
2: I, I think as well. When I was, this is going back to your question. Actually, when I was doing some of the research. And I realized that now we have so many different dynamics to relationships. And some people are happy in relationships of three, four or more people. It doesn't suit or fit everyone. I think the majority probably wouldn't go down that Mm. path. But there are people that are happy. And if that works for you, that's okay. Um, No judgment here anyway. Yeah.
3: And I, I always have to remind myself. And one thing that if there's anything to take away from this is that your love can look different to everyone else's and that's completely, completely fine because we're so conditioned to thinking it needs to look a certain way Mm. or or with a certain person Mm. um, and it's okay for your love to look different to someone else's.
2: And this whole idea as well of falling in love, I think sometimes when you're together for so long, some people think actually love's not supposed to be like this, it's a little bit boring because there's there's a routine in place now and the emotional highs aren't quite there mm. and then you think you're falling in love potentially with another person but actually it's just infatuation yeah. it's that
0: brilliant um captain carelli quote, yeah exactly
2: there? so what's left of love when those feelings have dissipated mm. right
0: Hello guys, thank you for hosting this
3: um, Book launch. Um I'm here today by myself as a single Amazing. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
3: So I've got a question for Vex. Um, yep. My question is, um, it seems like these days, um, um, the conditioning of masculinity kind of conflicts with doing the work um, to overcome trauma. And so um, sometimes it feels like um, um, the guys find it harder to work through their pain if they're not feeling their pain, so for you I wanted to ask what's that process been like and
0: yeah Thank
3: you.
2: Yeah, Question. I think a lot of people find this quite hard to believe but when I first got with Koshal, like I was this kind of like, or trying to be at least this kind of alpha male with yeah. this heavy conditioning and I was I suppose afraid to face myself, to face my demons I thought that she had to change and I could remain the way I am. And what made me vulnerable and led us to kind of intimacy, I think emotionally at least, is that koshal for me held a very safe and secure space for me to open up. And as she became vulnerable with me, I started becoming more vulnerable with her. I started realizing that actually a lot of my thought processes my deeply ingrained beliefs were based off the past, but it wasn't necessarily truths. It was based on assumptions. It was based on things that people had told me that I needed to be to be a man in society. And as I started questioning those beliefs, where did they come from? Who told me that was true? I started to, re- to realise that actually there was a lot of false Beliefs that I was living my life by. I think for men, it's, it's 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 extremely hard, even to this day. Like we get judged, and if you read some of my DMs, I got I get so many amazing DMs from people, but then I will get like the one or two like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like you know, and it'll be like you call yourself a man, but you're just doing this for this, for that. And I think it's, it's very hard to face yourself and have these conversations yeah. because society has told us to be really kind of like hard-edged. Mm-hmm. And if you're not like that, then suddenly you're not a man. Mm-hmm. But actually being a man is just being comfortable mm-hmm. with who you truly are.
3: And I'd like to add that he... he I think we live in such an Amazon world we wanted things yesterday like we don't we don't like waiting our patience is out the window and we want things now and when you were doing the work it wasn't like you were like okay i'm going to work on myself for a week and then like you're done you're sorted it's not like you you took your time like you worked through it, all your you know your demons and you worked through all the things that you know were no longer necessarily serving you or your higher purpose and that's what inspired me. I was like, if he could do it. Because I remember when I was feeling really, really rubbish, he was like, look, if I can do it, and she would say, you would say to me, wouldn't you, like, look what I was like and look yeah. what I am now. If I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Um, and it is, it, it takes a while. We expect things to happen, change to happen very, very quickly. But um, unfortunately, it takes, it takes time. It was just
2: like... People really people si- up very quickly know yeah. You know, it was simple things where I wouldn't even leave, like, love hearts to my male friends, because I thought, like, I don't want to give them the, like, the wrong impression. And I remember like, there was one of my friends at university and um, someone on our course, we were doing a group project, and someone on our course left him um, a kiss at the end of a text message. And we were in the library working on our project and he was like, Vex, I need to speak to you about something. I was like, oh my god, this sounds really serious. <laughs> He's like vex, you know, and I don't know name the person. He goes, sent me a text. And I was like, oh god, like what's he done? And
3: he
1: goes,
2: he left me a kiss.
1: <sighs> and I
2: was just like, I'm, I'm sure he was just being kind. Like there was nothing, nothing to it, <laughs> nothing to it. But I think even just in those little moments, then I would never, like tell my friend that I loved him or that you know like it was a brotherly love but it was just these kind of like false ideas that we download do you think it's getting better I think so, and I I think I see a lot of men in the audience, and I think that shows you how progressive we are as a society, because men are ready to do the work, and I suppose they probably wouldn't be here unless they're ready to do the work or they've been dragged by. I was just (laughs) about to say.
0: Cut too hard at that point (laughs) again. Yeah, there's a question here. So my question would be: um, Nowadays, as you mentioned before, uh, there's a lot of choice, and with dating apps and so on. And for me personally, I find it really difficult to establish like a deep connection with the people I meet because it's like you will meet someone who's like "Mm, not feeling it next, next, next. So uh, my question would be: Do you think that that? Like first connection should come at the beginning when you meet someone, or is it something that gets developed over time, and you have to really give that person some time before deciding? Okay, like is is this like this person is really the one, or is it something that comes at the beginning? Like, what was your experience in your case?
3: Thank you. I I mean, I can give you an example. My um, one of my best friends, she recently got into a relationship and. I remember when she was first telling me about um, this guy that she'd been on a couple of dates with, and she was like, I don't know, there's, like, not really a spark there. I think I'm just going to call it off. Like, she gave it a few, a, few, a few months, and she was just not feeling it. Um, and they're basically now living half the time at her, his place and half the time at her place, but they gave it that time. Um, and funnily enough, she was actually going to therapy at the beginning of them two talking, Um, so she was going to therapy. She kind of said to this guy, like, look, I just, I don't think there's a spark there. She was going to therapy. She found out so much about herself. And by doing the work, feeling that self-love that she was lacking in her life, now she knows that this guy is the one for her. And actually, it was something that was missing within her that was kind of blocking her from people. Um, and that's not the case for everyone, but that's just one example that I wanted to give because she was she's a hard nut, she's a hard nut to crack, and I love her to pieces, but every time she'd be like, so Cook, I'm going on a date with this guy, I'm like, okay, great, tell me everything about it, and then like it would be like another guy a few months later, and she's like, it's just not clicking, I just don't know, I feel like... I'm like Beyonce, like I've got everything going for me, like I've got, you know, she is, we call her our our, our Beyonce, and she was just a bit like, yeah, I've got, like, I have a great job, I have my own house, have my own, car. she had everything, but the one thing she didn't have was a partner, and she was like, I don't even think I need to be with anyone, but it wasn't through therapy that she realised... She needed to give herself love, and that actually she didn't need someone to complete her or to fill a void. Mm. And that—that I think we even spoke to her about it, and it was like it was such a beautiful thing to see that she actually realized that this person complements her life rather than filling this gap.
2: Yeah, I think one thing I always like to say is that connection um, is work, not just a feeling. So the connection always grows, and your love can always evolve over time. But I think you do need that initial spark, that initial chemistry, and that won't happen unless you really know yourself. What Mm. are you attracted to? What are your non-negotiables? What are your preferences? Again, your likes, your dislikes. Like You have to really know yourself, and when you do, you'll be able to trust your own decision-making.
0: Someone here has got a question? Yes. Hello. Hi. Thank you you for hosting us today. My question is, how do you know whether to stay or leave a relationship with someone who is suffering with addictions?
2: Mm, That's a very, it's a very difficult question. I think for me, I believe that if, if you are in a relationship with someone that's struggling with addictions, like hats off to you. I think it's extremely hard to be in that dynamic The addiction is usually some kind of relief strategy for some embedded trauma that they have or some pain that they haven't processed. That's why a lot of people become addicted to alcohol, pornography and even work, because they're trying to suppress some kind of pain. I think being in a relationship, it's important that both of you are committed to your journeys. And if you want to stay in the relationship with that person they would have to show you that they're committed to bettering themselves and i think a lot of the time when you're in that dynamic the partner tries to fix or help Mm. the person that they're with but actually when you're struggling with addiction you would need a lot of the time professional help and is that person willing to help themselves? Because you can't help that person unless they're dedicated to helping themselves. And if they don't want to help themselves, then unfortunately, the only thing you can do is accept them for who they are. And if you can't do that, then you'll never let true love to be cultivated within the relationship because true love is full of acceptance, not expectation.
3: It's a very deep answer. <laughs> I, I, I mean, my take on it is... I look at, and like this might be like a really weird answer, but I look at Khloe Kardashian and how she dealt with her relationship with Lamar. Um, And he was massively, massively struggling. And of course, I just know what's on like in media reports. Um, And although she had divorced him and he went through a really, really bad spell, she was still by his side when nobody else was like, she stopped what she was doing to be there for him because that love is never gonna go away. So even if it does come to that point, I don't really think that love for that person would just disappear, and although maybe if your paths do go separate ways, still having that love there for them in in, in this, the way of support, um, I think is something that can be done as just like a form of kindness. Is a very I mean I think you nailed hit the nail on the head with that, but I just look at how she dealt with it, and I thought it was a really beautiful way of respecting her boundaries. She did as much as she could to help him but then she st- had to take a step back when it, it wasn't, she was hitting a blank wall, but still being there for him when you know, times got really, really tough. I think
0: there's a question at the,
2: Yeah. Hi. 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 Hello. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for sharing everything uh, this evening. Uh, I booked our tickets as a surprise for Valentine, so I wasn't dragged here. <laughs> but, um, oh. Yeah. So I was wondering, when you first got together, how did you envision your relationship growing um, over the years? For instance, you're sat here today uh, with the book launch. So, yeah, I was just curious how how you saw yourselves evolving in your relationship. I I think both of us. So when we both met each other, just before that, she'd gone through a terrible heartbreak, and so had I. And in my head, I was like, I need to put myself first now. Like... I was actually probably quite scared to admit I was heartbroken because I was just like, this shows weakness. And again, it was that kind of like toxic masculine view that guys' hearts don't break. And like, you know, you're supposed to be the man and you could go out there and, you know, find someone else. But actually deep inside when I was alone, I was like, oh man, this hurts. Um, So I had to really do some soul searching. And I think you were on that same path. Same journey, yeah. And we both actually found ourselves connected through having this positive mindset towards Mm -hmm. life. And it kind of... So PMA is an acronym that stands for Positive Mental Attitude. And I remember when we first met each other, we were talking about positivity and how positivity is so important to changing your life in a positive way. And we kept seeing pma everywhere.
3: written in like <laughs>
2: random places i've still got the takeaway leaflet from 2009 with pma yeah. written on it because we just saw it everywhere all we knew at the time is that we wanted to grow and i think as we started falling in love with each other we kind of lost that aspect of growth because we were like now we've got our person Mm. everything will be okay and that's why I call it like the honeymoon infatuation stage is where you think like love is the answer it's the solution to everything mm. and then you realize actually it's not because yeah. you're still going to feel bad on some days you're still going to have conflicts and yeah you're still going to clash egos
3: yeah and I think for us it's been like, if I think about it, the 14 years, like, when I say that out loud, I'm like, "Whoa, we've been together for 14 years? Like, time has gone so quickly, and I think in, when we first together for, got together, for me, I thought that we had to follow this, like, timeline of, like, okay, so we've been together for X amount, and then we should get married at this amount, like, I'm, like, trying to calculate stuff in my head, and I wasn't actually living in the present moment, I was living in the future, and then we got to the point where I was living in the past, And I feel like I've been. I feel like personally, I've been like plodding along in the relationship, Mm. and obviously love you. But like, I feel like I had to do so much inner work to get to a position where I am able to live in the present moment. There are times where sometimes I'm a bit back there or a bit bit forward, but I've learnt to be in the present moment. I think that's really helped. But I think our, our our love story, so to speak, has been one that has like I'm not saying that we have this like fairy tale life and like, Mm. you know, but it's just been very real and very raw and honest and we have ups and downs, even to this day, like, Mm. we have ups and downs. Even today, he was feeling some sort of way and I was like,
0: (laughs) what can I do? (laughs)
3: No, no, he was just, he was like, he was, because the pressure of like um, a book tour, he's never done this before, he's like, oh my God, we're only two days in, and I was like, is there anything I can do? to support you, like that simple question. The old me would have just been like, oh, don't worry, you'll be all right. Yeah. Like, because it's fairy tale. we're in love, everything's fair. But actually, now we've got to understand each other. And I think that's the beauty of the relationship that we're in. And I hope this is something that is, you know, is, is prevalent in other relationships, but of actually being able to grow and move together in, in, in the same direction. I think that's really important but at the beginning few years of our relationship, it was very like immature love. Mm. We thought we were in love, but it was like the feeling of love and not actually realizing we are love and we're sharing it together. I was uh, listening to a podcast uh, this morning and they were sharing how success can be an external thing, but it can also be an internal thing as well. And today's
0: society, what we see is external success, so I wanted to ask you both, you've been together for a very long time. So has there been a time
3: where you felt the other person is externally more successful? And how have you dealt with that? And how do we see our partner's success as our own success? Thank you. It's a beautiful question.
2: Yeah, I think, shall I You go for it, yeah. Yeah, so I th- <laughs> um, I've always been driven as a child, because I, I grew up, you know, for three years, I was homeless as a child. Um, my dad died. I think a lot of you know my story. My dad died when I was six months old. And you know I experienced a lot of poverty and heartache, racism. And I always wanted to get out of that situation and experience success. And over the years... I've done a lot of things. I think like my, not, you know, not through company's House, but my first business was probably when I was like six or seven years old because I was selling things in school. And this was just so I could buy lunch for myself. And I'd always had this massive vision of having this massive enterprise and having all these successful businesses. Um, And when we got into the relationship, I was doing multiple things. Like... Mm -hmm. When I tell people, oh, yeah, I used to do that. I used to do that. People are like, Vex, what didn't you do? You, like, seemed to have, like, dipped into everything. Because I was trying to, you know, find success for myself. And I remember one day when we were working, So I used to have a clothing brand as well. <laughs> you came in and you were like, you've got all this going for you, but mm. I don't seem to have anything. I felt so lost. And she felt so lost. And I thought to myself, I've lost... It's weird, like, what am I doing this all for? Because I think, ultimately, we do everything as a means to love in some sort of way. But having more money or having more businesses or whatever it is, like, what is the point of it at the end, right? It's maybe to provide security, have more options, to experience more love within the relationships that you have. And I thought to myself, like, I need, I need to... I know... That if I put my mind to something, I can achieve great things. But at the same time, like, what am I doing this all for? And we kind of, like, I think, started working towards your dreams. Mm Because I felt like I was so focused on my dreams that we didn't take enough time. And I didn't even ask her what she was driven by, what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I knew she was unhappy in her job. And I knew she was still finding a way. And it was in that moment, I thought to myself, I'm being quite selfish here. I'm thinking of myself. And I'm thinking that, oh, I'll be richer one day and I'll have more money. And then I can take kosher on these fancy holidays and so forth. But would she even want to be with me at that point? (laughs) Because it's so much neglect in the relationship. And, you know, she turned to YouTube. Um, She's great at talking. Uh, She's great at... Doing her. painting
3: my face. <laughs> and you she's obviously <laughs> stunning as well. Oh, um
2: you. and I knew people would fall in love with her. And I always used to say to her, when I first got with her, I said, You must have like a a bunch of guys here, like, you know, queuing up to get your number. And she said, No, no one really notices me. And I was just like, Really? And I was like, You're lying. And she's like, Yeah, no one really like notices me. And I I said to her, One day, just watch. Like, people are gonna see you and they're gonna fall in love with you. And when you started YouTube. It was almost like that manifested. And although she's got over 2 million subscribers on YouTube, I remember celebrating the first thousand. We were yeah. so excited. Like, oh, my <laughs> God. And then suddenly, like, her rise was like, it was almost like exponential. It was growing so rapidly. And then I remember thinking, right, like, she's good now. <laughs> like, what's going on with my career yeah. <laughs> right now? And you know what the hardest thing was? It wasn't seeing her rise, because I love seeing her grow. And even to this day, like, seeing her magazine covers or seeing articles written about her, like, I am literally the proudest husband. But I think what was really hard at that time was her fans DM, DMing me on social media, because I would never post a picture, like, of myself, and I still don't post many pictures, but I wouldn't really share myself on social media at the time. I was doing a lot of soul-searching at that particular time. and they would be like, oh, my God, you're just with her because um, she's she, she, she's famous yeah. or she's this <laughs> and she's that. And I was like, well, you know, I've been with her for, for a while. And I think <laughs> in my <Yeah>. head... <laughs> it's
3: like, pre-UG, you yeah. know. <laughs> but
2: I wouldn't, I wouldn't respond to anyone. But, you know, it kind of... People like to make you feel bad, probably because they're feeling bad themselves. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, this is really harsh, but let me now try and do what I want to do in the world, which is help people. And honestly, like, when you tell your family that you want to help people and make a career out of that, they're like, what are you trying to do? Become the next Gandhi. Like, that (laughs) is not a sustainable career. And, you know, I remember telling my mum, and she was just like yeah, just do some charity work. Like, Like, (laughs) help out in the week. Your uncle needs help. You know, you can help him. And I was just like, no, mum, like, you know, all these people have told me that I'm here to make a difference. Like, I want to make a difference. I want to help people. But I never focused on the monetary side to what I do. Mm. And even to this day, and like, my agent, Jane's in the front row, and she knows what I'm like. I'm like, no, the people and the purpose become... Come first before the profit and the popularity, and I think that's what's really important.
3: Yeah, and like I think your question was, how do you deal with success of your partners? Is that correct? When you might not be, is that was that?
2: It was along those yeah. l- lines.
0: I think
3: for us is we've always been each other's biggest cheerleader. So like I'm almost like taking a backseat now. Like even this week, I'm like, this is your week. Like, I don't need to be on stage with you. This is your week. This is your week to show. He's obviously like, no, you're my cheerleader. Come along with me and, and all that. And I'm also like,
2: it's our week as well. <laughs> yeah. Because I probably wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for her. Yeah.
3: Like, we have both supported each other emotionally, financially, um, spiritually. But that's because we knew at a certain point in our relationship that we are in it for the long run. And and we'd kind of made that commitment to each other. And I think that's what really helped with the the... the My success was kind of like here and yours was like behind. And then now we're at the point where like we're we're, we're sailing together, Um, but it wasn't, until we knew, like we're we're in this for the long run, and we kind of made that commitment to each other. And now you're both
0: on the stage together, on the front of the magazine <laughs> together. It's like that question was perfectly timed to round <laughs> round it all off. All of the questions were brilliant. Um, thank you very much. Thank you all for coming, and thank you to so much. Thank it's a so real to pleasure you. to share the thank stage. You. Thank, thank, you. You. Thank, you. thank
2: you. This episode starred Vex King and Koshal and was presented by Hannah McInnes. It was produced by Nicole Wong and Esme Bright, and the editor is John Doughty. I'm Vas Christodoulou. Please do share this if you enjoyed it, and until next time, thanks for listening.